Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're so pumped that you would join us again this Wednesday morning or whenever you're listening to this. If you haven't already, please leave a review, share it on your socials, share it with your friends and text messages. We would appreciate you sharing this Yeah, podcast. absolutely. Share it. We've actually just uh, received word. We're almost to 6,000 downloads Crazy. on the year. And man, I think it would be very cool. Like, Don't so over the top outrageous <laughs> if for some way or some reason we were able to get to 10,000 downloads by the end of the year and honestly I appreciate the listen so far but we're only going to get there if you share these episodes yeah so or if it. we only talk about controversial issues yeah or we can I mean hey I mean we're trying our best I mean dang I mean how much more can we get controversial <laughs> so this week's oh. question of the week is what is your favorite childhood memory favorite childhood memory let's go so, sentimental so you just asked me right before we started recording. So I literally had like 30 seconds to think about this. I'm just going to go to a memory that is kind of off the wall. We're almost to Halloween. And growing up, we were not allowed to celebrate Halloween. Like it was the devil's holiday. We couldn't dress up. We couldn't go get candy. And that's just the world that I grew up in. Well, instead of Halloween, um, my parents and some of the other parents uh, here at the church they did want an activity for us to be a part of. And so instead of Halloween, they came up with Hallelujah Night. Oh my instead gosh, of Halloween that is night. so lame. And they allowed us to like dress up as like Bible characters. And so I don't know why this just popped in my head. I remember <laughs> coming here to the church and I was dressed as Goliath and my brother Matt was dressed as David. He had a little slingshot. I had the big old spear. And uh, I really didn't think that through because, you know, the whole story with David and Goliath and all. Yeah, so but, your brother uh, kills you. <laughs> yeah, cuts off my That's head. your favorite childhood memory well, is a terrible childhood <laughs> memory? <laughs> well, I, here's the thing. Like, at the time, I thought it was freaking awesome. Again, you got to remember, we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween, but here was a time <gasps> we can dress up. We're going to get candy. And like, dude, I just remember as a child and as a kid, like, this is like the best day ever. Now, looking back, I'm like, what the hell, mom and dad? Just let us go <laughs> trick or treat, knock on some doors, get some candy. But then at the time, it was like, yeah, one of my favorite childhood memories. Because I remember that night was awesome. They had games for us, activities, candy galore. And I'm like, oh, finally, we get to do something that resembles Halloween. And it was just such a good time. I'm sorry you had a terrible childhood. Yeah, no, it was good. <laughs> I, hey, I said it was great. Halloween was one of my favorite holidays yeah. growing up. We just... We we went all out as a family. Yeah. We dressed up as family. Characters. So I actually am looking forward to uh, this year. The last several years, Melanie's kind of gotten into it, and our family goes as like some family theme uh, characters, you know, in different movies or sets or something. But she's got some good ideas for yeah. for this Halloween. My so Halloween costume wait. literally just came in. Oh, nice. Yeah, for Julie and I, we got. Oh, you told me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't give it out. Let it be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. It's fantastic. It's I like really it. clever. Very My favorite childhood memory is playing street hockey in our neighborhood. We always had kids to play street hockey. I would dress up as a goalie. My little brother would shoot on me. We'd play games with the neighborhood kids. That's that favorite memory. Yeah, love I had that. a good childhood. Yeah, I had some good memories like that too. I remember going to my cousin Barry's house. He lived at the community club here, right here in Floyd's Knobs. If you're listening, you probably know where that's at if you're from around here. And neighborhood kids, we just get together. We'd ball, play basketball, baseball whatever. And man, that was like every weekend. Yep. And those were like amazing. I had a great childhood too. So many good memories at my grandma's house next door, sledding with all my cousins. Oh, those were some great times. Are we going to do a whole podcast on your 
childhood memories. No, you just took me back, and I didn't have time to think and come up with a favorite. So now all these are just like popping in my head. But no, I had a good childhood too. Yeah, a lot. So this week we're talking continually in the conversation from last week on the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about, you know, the transition from good news, bad news was the gospel, repentance, and understanding that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's now a, a real reality. But this week we wanted to focus kind of what the kingdom of God is like. You know, Jesus says this a bunch in parables, but then Paul tells us what the kingdom of God actually is. Right. So yeah, so I think I think we yeah, let's go in to talk about some of these things that the kingdom of God is like. I also want before we before we address this, I think it's important to note that as you're reading through the gospels and you come across passages um, that one of the writers of the gospels or even Jesus himself says about the kingdom, a lot of times he'll say the kingdom of God or he'll say the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, going back to even the conversation we had last week on the now and not yet. I think that's where a lot of people get confused sometimes and have this ideology around the not yet because a word like heaven is used, the kingdom of heaven. And when you hear kingdom of heaven, some people instantly go just to the afterlife experience of heaven. And one day we're going to experience things like Jesus is talking about. But when when Jesus says kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, And a lot of these times are not only used interchangeably, but I know Matthew's gospel, he likes to use kingdom of heaven more, but his audience is more of a Jewish audience and they would have understood what he was really talking about in this kingdom that was going to be manifest, not just one day when, but they were hoping for a king, right? The Messiah to come and establish this kingdom here on earth as in heaven. So it is on earth. And so I think we just got to get the picture, whether it says kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, we're talking about just the kingdom. Man, period. that's brilliant. Why didn't you bring that up last week? Uh, I don't know. Cause we're getting to it this week. Yeah. But because that, all that, these places that Jesus talks about the kingdom, he'll, it doesn't say just the kingdom is like, it'll say the kingdom of heaven is like blah, 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 blah. Right. It'll say things. But that proves the whole conversation of it's not about the one day when it's about understanding the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is now. Right. Well, that's why even Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray, you know, as it is in heaven to be done on earth. I love it. Like, so yeah, but the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, it's like a sower, right? Who sows seeds in a field. It's like a mustard seed, like the smallest of all seeds that grows and uh, provides shade for many, a nest for birds, that kind of thing. The kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure. It's like a pearl merchant. It's like yeast. And he goes on to talk about like some of the parables of the wheat and the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who throws this great wedding banquet. So Jesus talks a lot about what the kingdom of God is like. And and I don't know, is there any of those that stand out to you that you maybe want to hit on real quick? Well, I think a lot of people focus on these, um, these parables that are awesome. And again, We never find out from Jesus what the kingdom of God actually is because he only talks about the kingdom of God in parables like this. And I think when we focus on these parables of what the kingdom of God is like, it kind of removes this ability to understand that the kingdom of God is now. But I've always loved and related to the mustard seed, just talking about a little faith. I'm actually going to be teaching on something you shared about that your faith in God isn't even really about your faith, but rather it's about his faith, right. God's yeah. faith. And it's just been blowing my mind uh, in my own personal relationship recently. And so yeah, I can, I'm so excited to preach in the month of October because yeah. I know it's going to say a lot of And I just preached this free. past week about experiencing peace 
and having kind of this faith through the storm. And what's crazy is I actually put that in my notes, like just jotting down a few things. I went up and actually preached without notes, but I had it in my, in my notes to possibly mention this idea of that. It's not our faith. Like we can rest even when we're faithless because we even sang that song, he'll never fail. And it talks about even when we're faithless, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. And this, just this idea that, man, it's Jesus's faith all along anyway. So you can have faith just in his faith. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, I, but I saved it for you, bro. I like, I, I was looking out for you <laughs> in that, but I love actually where Jesus talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like this wedding banquet. And I love it because it says that, man, invite everyone in. And then he's looking around, man, where is everybody? Go out and invite more people. And then people made all kinds of excuses as to why they couldn't come. And then he's finally like, man, go out to the highways and the byways. Go out and find anybody and everyone that you can. And I love this because it still speaks to the inclusivity of the kingdom of God. And a lot of times people just go, like I said again, because it says kingdom of heaven is like this. They're, they're like, oh, well, one day in heaven, like there'll be a lot of different nationalities and people from all walks of life and cultures and all this stuff. And I get what they're saying. But I love that the kingdom of God is now and how we should be inclusive and including everyone, regardless of their background, culture, or where they're at, even right now um, in the, in the church and in our, in our world, in our life. And so I just love that, that, that parable the most probably. Yeah. So Jesus tells us a lot of what the kingdom of God is like, but he doesn't actually tell us what the kingdom of God is. Paul does though in Romans fourteen seventeen, and he tells us that the kingdom of God is three things. Those three things are righteousness, peace, and joy. So we're going to dissect this on this week's podcast, righteousness, peace, and joy, because I think these three things are revolutionary for your walk with Jesus. One, understanding your righteousness, again, is knowing who you are and that righteousness is a gift. We talked a little bit about it last week, that you can't earn more righteous, and you, the listener, are as righteous as you will ever be right now because of what Jesus did. And that's, that's beautiful. So righteousness is not something that you get when you stop sinning. And there's a difference between receiving an inheritance by promise and receiving an inheritance by performance. Mm -hmm. And the promise was given to you at the resurrection of Jesus that we are now permanently the righteousness of Christ. And that is amazing. Yeah, I love it. And I believe that, you know, right now so many Christians are trying to just advance this kingdom, but they don't even know the heart of the king towards them. And we really have to understand our, like, um, position in the kingdom of God. And the position is that of a son or a daughter and that we are righteous. And, and really you might hear that word a lot and it is more of a churchy word, but that, that righteousness really is just a matter, um, of this right standing with God, that Mm. you are in a right relationship with your dad, your heavenly dad right now. And there's nothing you can do to gain more of a better relationship with him. There's nothing you can do that can sever that relationship with him. You are permanently um, related to him as a son or a daughter, and that's your position in the kingdom. That's what we mean when we say righteous. Yes, the gospel does not demand your righteousness. It reveals it to you. Thank God. You might want to hit rewind, or maybe I'll just say it again. The gospel does not demand your righteousness. It reveals it to you. It's not something that you achieve. It's something that you receive. It's a gift, and it cannot be earned. I like Jamie Englehart said it last year in our Christmas series, uh, Robes of Righteousness. Mm, he said yeah. the righteousness wrapped itself in flesh so that flesh could wrap itself in righteousness. And that's our reality, is we are the righteousness of God. And many people in the Christian faith don't like this idea that righteousness is a gift because we like religion. We really do. 
We like earning. We like striving. We like measuring ourselves up. That's why we do a bunch of things and don't do a bunch of other things because we think that we can earn righteousness. But your efforts in trying to earn righteousness are slapping Jesus in the face because the reality is the finished work of the cross gives us conclusions, not conditions. Hmm, I love that. Conclusions about who you are. Man, I love that. And this is the beautiful picture of righteousness. If the church could understand that they are already permanently righteous, I think every single thing else in their life changes because they're operating out of a perfected identity in Christ, not out of an identity that doesn't feel like you're good enough or worthy enough because you're striving to earn something that you have forgotten has already been given to you permanently in Christ. Yeah, and I think that is probably where um, you know the church has got off track the most is this idea of trying to control people's behavior. And they have this mentality of, oh, I'm in or I'm out based on those conditions or performance or behavior or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and that really leads to a place for most people where they are striving, where they're trying to just survive instead of really thriving in life. Like I know Jesus wants us to have that full life. And so, yeah, so the first thing you didn't know that, you're righteous. That's what the kingdom is, is righteousness. Yeah. Jesus did not die to take away your ability to sin. He died to take away the effectiveness of that sin. So maybe you should chew on that a little bit to recognize you're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint saved by grace because sinner is not your identity. A son or a daughter is. Yeah. And I, man, so many people just want to focus and talk about sin, especially in the church, especially from other preachers. And I'm just like always asking the question, man, did Jesus not take away and remove our sin 2000 years ago? Did he not? Because you're acting like he didn't. (laughs) So let's change the focus here. For sure. So righteousness, the second one is peace. So if you know who you are because of the righteousness of Christ, then another byproduct of righteousness is peace because you know who God is. You know that that God is not going to change the way he thinks about you. He doesn't change ever. And the full picture of, of God is revealed to us in Jesus. This creates peace in your life. You know, the system of the world is, hey, let's try to get peace on earth. The system of the kingdom is let's recognize peace in you because his name is Jesus. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, when you, (laughs) I don't know why I just immediately went to like those beauty pageants. Like if you could do one thing or if you can change the world in one way, what would you want to happen? And they're always like, I would love to have peace on earth. And it's like, man, yeah, I love that. Instead of just focusing on some huge, big scale thing that will never happen, let's just focus on peace in us individually and let us flow from that place. And then the world will begin to change. I love that. I think we talked a lot about peace in an earlier episode. Do you remember? I don't remember what the episode is, but man, we talk about peace a lot. I know it's one of the things that I think both of us would agree on that, man, we, we love what Jesus did in his life through the death, but also through the resurrection. But one of the things we love most about Jesus is the peace that he provides. Yeah. I think it's episode. So we talk about it. I just looked it up. Episode 12. If you want to talk or learn more about peace, it's titled, are you anxious? And we talk a lot more about peace, Mm -hmm. but ultimately this is the second aspect of what the kingdom of God actually is. According to Paul is it's righteousness, peace. And then lastly, it's the byproduct of both. When you know who you are, a permanent identity of righteousness, and you know who God is, that he's a loving father. It produces joy. Right. And I've I've said for years, I feel like Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. I really do. 
because we should know our position. We should know the God that we serve and really this, the dad that we have, and that should lead to that peace. And so knowing you're righteous and having that peace, like you just said, the byproduct of all of that, man, is having joy. And so we should be joyful people for sure. We really should be. Joy is such, it's one of those things that a lot of Christians, not to say that they don't know how to have joy, but I think they relate to joy a lot to like circumstantial happiness. Mm -hmm. And so their joy tends to sway. And I'm not saying, you know, you don't go through heartbreak and, and terrible seasons, but I think our response in those seasons are more attractive to the world than anything else because we all experience death and pain, right? Right. We all experience heartbreak and betrayal. And how amazing is it for Christians to still carry the reality of joy in the midst of those circumstances? Because people that don't have hope in life and faith in Jesus, ultimately those seasons crush them. They don't have the perspective. They don't have the understanding that, what what is the scripture verse like? My my joy is made complete in you, or I just totally butchered that. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't even know what exactly. I don't what know it where is. you're going with that either, but it's all good. But I I love perspective because I think perspective can give us a lot of joy in our painful circumstances. Because the reality is, is you you drown not by falling into a river, but by staying submerged in it. God doesn't remove snakes. There was a snake in the garden in His perfected Eden. He removed their authority. Right. This side of the cross. So. Well, I would even say then yeah, they had authority. They didn't recognize it, and that was their downfall. True. Preach. And so the reality is is your joy, even though you might be going through some painful circumstances, your joy is such a kingdom principle that can switch how you perceive your current circumstances. And ultimately, I think it rescues you from a lot of the pits that people fall in. Yeah. Do you think there is this um, correlation, or maybe it's like a contrast um, between happiness and joy. Cause sure. I feel like maybe that's where like a lot of people get tripped up. Like, like, you know, thinking that, that joy is happiness and maybe it is to an extent, but then at the same time, we're never called, you know, throughout scripture to be happy, but I know we're commanded to be joyful. Yeah. And so maybe that's what you're talking about. Maybe happiness is the more dictated, you know, response based on our circumstances where joyful is just a, this, uh, internal, um, internal state or this, this attitude where we understand we might be going through hell on earth, but we can have joy, you know, looking at other things besides just what we're going through. Yeah. It's, it's a minor shift in perspective. For example, we've experienced a lot of death this past week with people in our church and yes, death is painful. Literally it's painful, but a, a, a minor shift is instead of looking at it as, Oh, a life is lost. We can look at it as let's celebrate the life that was lived. Doesn't doesn't remove the pain in the moment, right? But it gives you a perspective of I'm sad because this person's no longer physically here, but I'm joyful and rejoicing in the legacy that was left. Uh, I'm joyful that I even had the honor and privilege of doing life with this person. You know what I mean? Right. And so it doesn't yet that that no funeral is going to be happy but we can experience the joy in the midst of our pain because our perspective has shifted just a, a little bit. Cause I think you're right. I think like a lot of people, even in the Christian world, these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, right? We, we don't think we're righteous because we align righteousness with our behavior. We don't, we don't, we don't think that we can have joy because we relate joyfulness to happiness, circumstantial happiness. And, and we think that peace is only the absence of war, right? Because we're Americans. 
But the kingdom is righteousness that's already inside of you because of Jesus. It's joy of the Lord because that's our strength. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, which Paul tells us in the book of Philippians. Peace is that thing that surpass like we can't explain it fully. You, you just, man, you have this sense of like, man, Father's with me, you know? And it surpasses your circumstances. So the kingdom of God is not how you act. The kingdom of God is who you are. Yeah, and I love that. And what I love the most is that that scripture that you mentioned, that all this is based off of John, uh, Romans fourteen seventeen. Um, you know, the full verse actually says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. But then to finish out the verse, it says, in the Holy Spirit. And so it's realizing that we have the Spirit. It's realizing that, you know, He is there to lead, to guide, to comfort, to help recognize. I think it's what John 17, that it that it says that the Spirit's job is there to convince us, not convict, but convince us of what? Of who we are, that we're righteous, righteous. And that brings us peace that ultimately leads, in jo- leads, leads to joy. So I think it's all done. Uh, in cooperation with the spirit who's alive and active in our life. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember that sermon I preached right before uh, COVID shut down the world in 2020? I had beach balls and we did this song, righteousness or the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy. And we had everybody singing it. And do you remember that? Uh, Somewhat. You had (laughs) them repeat it a ton. Like a thousand, like literally 12 times. Yeah. Because this is like one of those things, like we want people to fully understand that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And you have access to it right now now right now so walk out in the kingdom righteousness peace and joy that's all i got yeah recognize who you are who god is and live from that and as you're living from that you are experiencing the kingdom and then i believe that that's when the kingdom of god will mostly be able to flow through you as well yeah so remember as always you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) 